Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Early Speed Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 1. Jay and Lyndon with you, and Scott, Scott, it's been a, it's been a bit. How are you doing? I'm great, man. It's derby season. Can't be any better than that. It is derby season. Um, we first, I want to, Scott, appreciate all the listeners we had uh, last year. Our last episode, which was the Breeders' Cup picks we had, and our interview with Tom Leach ended up being our most listened to episode. And you'll be impressed. And, you know, I messed up already. I should have called it the Early Speed Podcast International Podcast. We added <laughs> listeners from Germany, Barbados, and France. There we go. Spreading our wings. Just like, the, our just wings. like the Breeders' Cup. So, yeah, it is go time. Um, and, Scott, if, if people listen before, we usually start um, in – say what beastie boys song would we start with if we had the licensing rights and before i ask you that um i got a little trivia here so we both are big beastie boys fans from back in the day mca passed away do you remember what when he did passed away r.i.p mca 2017 this blows my mind and the shows were getting old 2012 this is the 10 year anniversary he was 47 um and i read an article i thought would interest you he in his will said that none of his music is to be used in advertising wow that's awesome so that seems to be in line with how the beasties rolled so here's the song i would have started with and it would have been hold it now hit it just based on it's time. It's go time for Derby. It's like a holiday. It's time. So I did hold it now, hit it. Uh, that's a good one. All right, so I'm going to give you my song, but I'm going to hold off on the reason for the song until we get to our preview discussion. Oh, I like this. I like this. So my song is She's Crafty. Oh, so I'm, I'm going with she's crafty, and after we go through our Oaks preview, I will uh, I'll, I'll let you know why I picked that one. Okay, so uh, we were fortunate enough to have an interview on this podcast. I'll let you uh, segue to that, but we're going to go ahead and, and head off to that here in a sec. Yeah, it was uh, it was great. We had Clinton Glasscock on. You'll hear you'll hear the interview here in a second. Um, you know, really kind of continuing, you know the great list of uh, people that have agreed to join our podcast. We, we appreciate Clinton uh, for, for his time. He's, uh, he's part of Starlight Racing. Uh, for those that aren't aware, you know, Starlight was, you know, they, they had ownerships they could justify um, and authentic. Um, and, and they have a stake in Messier who's running this year's Derby. So it's our, it's our first um, Derby owner to join the podcast. It was, it was a great conversation. Um, you really got me fired up and, uh, and, and ready to, to, to roll right into the Derby season. So, you know, much appreciation to Clinton. Hope everybody enjoys the interview. Yeah. And I, you know, he's a Louisville guy and I think he's excited as much as we are for Derby. So here we go. All right. Welcome to the early speed podcast, Kentucky Derby and Oaks, uh, preview edition. 
Got a really special guest uh, joining us today, Clinton Glasscock from from Starlight Racing. Clinton's managing partner of Two Dimes Stable, co-managing partner of North Star Racing, as, as well as a member of the Starlight Racing Group. Clinton, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Glad to do it. All right. Happy, happy derby season. I know. It's an exciting time in the Ville. Yeah. I, I always tell my kids it's my, it's my favorite holiday of the year. So Yeah, no question. All right. So, you know, Starlight, you, you all have had tremendous success uh, in the Kentucky Derby with, with Justify in 2018 as a Triple Crown champion, Authentic as a Derby winner in 2020. You know, I guess starting off now, you're you're going for your third win in five years with Messier this year. Um, you know, one of the one of the top contenders. You know, what probably projected about I don't know fourth or fifth in the betting choice or so. Ran second in the Santa Anita Derby, um, and then you know won the Robert B. Lewis back in February by 15 links. So I guess you know starting off, you know, what do you have to, to share with us on Messier? How's he, how's he coming into the race? Well, we're really excited. Um... You know, I, I really wouldn't trade. I think this derby's wide open, uh, unlike last year where obviously Central Quality was the uh, overwhelming favorite. I think this year your favorite's going to probably be five, six to one. Um, Messier uh, is coming in here off, of, you know, that last race in San Diego Derby was coming off a two-month layoff. Uh, I think that Johnny felt and Tim Yachtin felt that we had to beat Forbidden Kingdom, and I think they kind of tried to take it to him, which we did, and obviously put him away, and then <laughs> obviously Taba came from nowhere and not from nowhere, but obviously he was on a small field, field of six, but, uh, ended up beating this. At, and, you know, I think he'll, he'll improve off that. Um, I, I really think that it's a, even though I think it's a wide open derby, I think it comes out about five horses. And, um, I think he fits right there with all of them. You know, I look at the raggeds and sheets a lot when I do my handicapping and, um, he fits right there as far as the sheet numbers and, so I'm, I'm very optimistic, uh, and I know Yachtin is very pleased the way he came out of the race. And, uh, of course, you know, Johnny, we had luck with Authentic a couple of years ago, and obviously he did a pretty good job with Medina Spirit. So uh, I like our spot as far as Jockey goes, and, you know, we're optimistic. We're excited. It's an exciting time of year. Yeah, that's, you know, that's great to hear. You can you can certainly make an argument that, that Messier, you know, did all the heavy lifting in the Santa Anita Derby, right, by – you know, pressing Forbidden Kingdom and, you know, like you mentioned, coming off that two-month layoff. But, you know, as a, as a handicapper, I think you can expect him to take a take a step forward in that next race. It seems like a seems like a really strong prep for, for him to kind of move forward off of that into the Derby. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, – obviously, Authentic came out of that race. Uh, obviously, Medina Spirit came out of the Sandy Derby. I think a lot of people are critical of the Sandy Derby because it's usually a smaller field, but – uh, the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, it's a, obviously turned out to be a solid prep. Doesn't hurt that Bob Baffert comes out of California. So, <laughs> with obviously both of those. So, uh, no, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't trade place anybody. I think it's going to be a great race. And, and I, uh, I don't think, you know, unlike again last year, I think your favorite's going to be five, six to one. So, I, I don't, th- I, you know, I think morning line's probably going to be on us 10 12 to 1 for what i've seen in the uh all the press releases so probably a, a fair odds for him and and i'll take him at 10 12 to 1 with johnny and we'll call it yacht slash baffert and we'll, we're optimistic 
Hey, Clint, this is Jay. And, uh, you know, I was thinking of what I was going to ask you. And I, I have to ask you the what if. Sure. Um, if Tabe is not in the Santa Anita Derby, uh, you win that race by 10 links. Um, yeah. You probably roll into Churchill, the favorite. <laughs> Five um, to two. <laughs> how, how different from your position is that whole deal? Because it, it's, um, you know, like you said, I, I, for a lot of people, that horse kind of came out of nowhere. And, um, you know, it, it would be a lot different story if you were coming into the Derby with a 10 length win in the Santa Anita Derby. Great question. And I think that, you know, if you ask Tim and, and even as Bloodstock agent Gary Young, they really didn't want to go there. And I give all the credit to Zidane. I think I'm going to maybe butcher his name. Zidane is what I'll call his last name. Um, uh, racing that he insisted that he run. And they, of course, you've read, I'm not bringing the listeners any news, that they paid $1.7 million. He's by gun runner. Um, and so he insisted they give it a shot. And they did, but I think, <laughs> and to be honest with you, Johnny chose us. If you look at, I mean, I'm not telling any of the public anything you can't see on paper. Johnny rode uh, Tabe in his first start, and going to the Sand Derby, he gave us the commitment, and he's given us the commitment going in the Derby. Now, granted, uh, Tabe is getting Mike Smith, which is no second fiddle to anybody. So, um, you know, it's just a, it's interesting the way the whole thing played out. I think it's a good point. We had a been probably five to two, three to one. If Taba doesn't go in there, which you, according to the trainer and connections slash bloodstock agent, they weren't wanting to go in there, but the owner insisted and credits to him. I mean, you know, you put up $1.7 million and by God, if I win my first race and I'm a three-year-old and I'm going to take a shot, which he did. And, you know, now he'll be, I don't know, second, third choice. You all tell me, uh, Taba in the Derby. So, um, but again, I wouldn't trade spots with anybody. I, I, I love our connections with Johnny and and uh, Yachtin slash Baffert connection, and and uh, so we'll see what happens. Well, look, by, by my estimation, you're in good shape. Uh, the last two Derby horses that crossed the finish line first finished second in the Santa Anita Derby, so I, right. I think you're in pretty pretty good shape right now. I do want to ask you though, as you know, as a as I've looked at this over the years, it seems relatively a new trend to lightly race the three-year-olds. Um, I think we have three or four horses that have only raced three races. Um, you have Taba, who's only raced two races. Um, do, do, is that purposeful? Um, is, it, is that something that you think is going to continue to be a trend? I think you'll see that. I mean, I think that um, Bob obviously has shown he's won this thing, I think seven times. And, you know, we obviously turned all the, as far as management over to he and Tom Ryan, who's with SF Bloodstock. Um, so they, they picked this plan. Um, and the Robbie Lewis, I think he wins by 15. You know, everybody in the game knows the bounce theory. I think the concern was, okay, next race, we're going to bounce. I'm not saying, you know, 60 days is, is enough to where you shouldn't bounce. Um, but I do think he needed the race. I mean, you know, it, and so I think the plan they laid out is, is great. And like our, I love our pattern. I mean, we run on the rags and sheets, two eights in a row. And, uh, you know, if you improve to a five or six, you win the Kentucky Derby. So like I say, I wouldn't, uh, there's horses in there that run sixes in their last prep, uh, epicenter, um, uh, Tabor ran a six minus on the sheets. Donegal ran a seven Zandon ran a six. So, I mean, there's horses that are running the faster numbers coming into it. But, 
you know, <laughs> I'd rather run my fastest number on Kentucky Derby Day versus the race before. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's right. That's the that's the trick is is getting them to to peak on that first Saturday in May, right? So. No, no question. That's what we're shooting for. So you, that's why we're in the game. Let's put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So you've talked about you know the, the Yachtin Baffert kind of combination. Um, you know, I I do want to ask you because you know Starlight's had you, know, you all had a, a lot of horses in you know in the road to the Kentucky Derby and yeah. you know for for some of our listeners that you know maybe don't follow as closely you know because of the Medina Spirit disqualification last year you know Bob Baffert's been suspended from the Derby for two years um, and you know based on the Kentucky Derby qualifying points system. Um, on how you become eligible for the Derby, any horse trained by Baffert was not eligible to to earn qualifying points. So, you know, from from an owner's perspective, you know, by mid February, you had three different horses all trained by by Baffert that that won prep races. You know, Messier, right. but also Newgrange and Black Adder. That they, they yep. were all prep race winners by by mid February and accumulated zero points. So, can you share with us, you know? What what was that like? You know, how, what were the, what was the challenge and the thought process from an owner's perspective of you know the decisions you had to make as as you went through that? Well, uh, again, Tom Ryan with SF Bloodstock is a majority owner of all our horses. Well, all what we call Starlight West is what we call the West uh, West Coast Division. And um, so the theory was that until we shown that we had a horse that was capable of running in the Kentucky Derby. We keep under Bob's care. Um, around that February time frame, you saw that uh, we made the transition to Yachtin with Doppeldanger, Newgrange, Messier, obviously, um, and um, to to get those points in the next prep, um, we took Doppeldanger to Arkansas. Obviously, didn't race very well. Um, Newgrange had a, a bad race prior to that, so he he really technically wasn't ready to, in our mind, run the Derby. Um, both those, I think, are going to be shooting for, you'll see in the Pat Day Mile, under Tim Yachtin's care. And then you had, obviously, Messier, and and uh, we, we transitioned him to Yachtin to run for the San Diego Derby. Obviously thinking that you had to run first or second in one of these preps to, to go on to the big dance, and, and fortunately he did. Um, I think Tom Ryan's thought was if we don't run first or second in one of the preps right before the Derby, then there's no reason to make the change. Uh, Tom's very committed to Bob and, and uh, uh, on the long-term strategy. Uh, unfortunately, we've had the situation with Churchill. And that is what it is. Uh, but we, we obviously made the move with those three horses. And again, I think you'll see those two under new, uh, those two run the Pat Day mile. And, and obviously we're shooting Messi for the Derby. Yeah. So as we were as we were talking for the prep, you know, assuming you know Newgrange and and Doppelganger kind of bring the goods in the Pat Day Mile. Yeah. Next stop for them. Preakness, obviously, that's the goal. Lots of uh, lots of lots of options in the kitty. That's uh, it's kind well, of let's hope so. exciting from, from well, where you we have a lot of great plans. Let's see if the plans come together, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, for sure. So, um, you know. Being in the horse racing game, I, I, you know, you talk about uh, the rags and sheets and, and all the work you do. I, I assume you like to to play the horses from a handicapper <laughs> perspective as, as much as from an owner perspective. That, that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. hit the late so, pick five today, Keeneland, which was pretty nice. 
Yeah. So you know, you, you've <laughs> had you've had horses entered in Derby preps all across the country. Sure. Um, so you know, from a handicapping angle, you know, excluding Messier, excluding your own horse, uh, which which horse has impressed you the most, and who would you consider kind of the you know the top rival to to win the roses here in a couple of weeks? You know, when I look at it, as much as I say I think the Derby's wide open, I really think you you can only use five horses. Um, I think I mean I'm not telling anybody the listeners anybody that <laughs> you can look at the program epicenter. I think like I said, Rama six in Louisiana on the sheets. Um, coming in with the right uh, pattern. Zandon uh, also ran a six in his last start. Um, Modonigal, I have the utmost respect for Todd Pletcher. He's trained for us, for us being Starlight for years. I think Todd's due to run a big race. Um, he actually ran a seven last time at Aqueduct, but I think he's on the improve coming up a nine. Um, and then Taba ran a six minus when he beat us. I think it's those four with us. I think the winner's coming from those five. Now, how, you know, it's, it's depending on the trip. As you all know, the post position is key in the Derby. Um, but I don't really see it coming anywhere from the, I mean, it's going to come from those five, in my opinion, on paper. I mean, the Derby's a Derby, so we'll see. But uh, I think those are the main contenders for Messier. Makes makes sense to me and, you know, certainly aligned to, to our current thoughts. So to, to fill out the bottom half of that ticket, is there or anybody that is that has caught your eye that's maybe a longer shot in the race that you know you've you know you've kind of got your eyes on to to include in your trifecta and superfecta wagers? If you maybe reach uh, the next one, be smile happy. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't think he's with those five I mentioned. But if you maybe put something on the second line, that'd be him. And then of course I use the all button for third because I mean anything come third, fourth in Kentucky Derby, but right. Um, I really don't see, I'll be honest with you. I don't see it. I just think this thing, as much as we want to say it's wide open, I don't see the winner coming from anywhere but the five I mentioned. Um, and I think you use the second, and then I hit the all button for third, I guess, if I'm betting the, betting the race. Yeah. Yeah. That depends on post position. I think weather will play an impact right. on it. You know. Well, that's a very good point. I, you know, the West Coast horses, of course, never see the rain. So, you know, you know hopefully it doesn't, knock on wood, it doesn't rain. But, um, the slop, as we've seen in the past, would justify, I think, the way it worked. But, uh, yeah, the slop can change the dynamics. But uh, from a fast track uh, on paper, that's what I see. Yeah, slop, slop certainly tends to just kind of bring the chaos. Oh, sure, so. no question. Well, I did want to ask you, uh, being a Louisville guy, um, yeah. what, what's, what's it been like to have two Derby winners? Well, you know um, – it's, it's my passion. You know, you know, I get in this game and as much as I love it, you know, I, I my dad loves it more than I do. If, if not, if not the same more than I do. And, and really my goal a couple of years ago was to get him to make the walkover, which we've been fortunate to do, I think nine times and to get him in the winter circle, which we are fortunate to do at justify. And that truly was my goal. And, and we grew up, I mean, he took me out there since I was like two or three years old and, um, I always tell people that that as much as I want it for myself and, and my family, immediate family, um, I want it for my dad. And that's the reason I got in the game and, and do what I do because uh, how much passion he has for the game. He works so hard in his daily legal practice. And, you know, this is his, I guess, uh, his passion I, along with mine. 
And so for him to be able to stay in the winner's circle with Justify was my ultimate dream. And we were able to accomplish that. And, you know, God forbid, we were able to do it two years later with Authentic, which was just crazy. Um, unfortunately, with Authentic, there was only 1,800 people there. But but uh, it still didn't matter. It's still the Kentucky Derby. And, and I can uh, someday say, you know, he won two Kentucky Derbies and he made the walk nine or ten times, whatever it is. So it's all about him. And I, I, I say that with all due respect. I mean, that's what I do it for, to be honest with you. That, that's great because Scott and I both told stories um, on our podcast of both our, our both our fathers got kind of got us in and, and both of them are passed away and both of them got us into the game. So right. that, that's really cool to hear. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of like the Super Bowl team question. Sure. Do you think your connections have an advantage <laughs> since, since you've been there before? You know, no. is, there, is there things that you think, hey, I'm going to do this this week and it's going to help us out? No, we got, let me tell you something. You know, I I think that we all get in this game and at least my philosophy has been, let's make the right connections with the right people to set us up with the best opportunity. And then after that, it's 100% luck. Uh, You know, we, we got in this game with, uh, when I say, I mean, dad and I've been in this game since 1996. I mean, at a very small level. We took our next step with Starlight, which we felt was the best partnership out there for us, which at the time, um, Todd Pletcher was our go-to guy. I mean, he, was, he, he got us to seven derbies, I think it is. I, I'm, I'm picking these numbers off the top of my head, but I'm pretty close, I know. Uh, and then we were fortunate to connect with uh, Tom Ryan and SF Bloodstock. And then, of course, we got with Baffert. And then, you know, God forbid, we win two of these damn things. Um, so I think – you, you try to, at least I tried to put our family in position with the right people, with who I thought um, were the right way to approach the game uh, from an integrity standpoint and, you know, <laughs> to give us the best opportunity. And, and lo and behold, we've, uh, we've been pretty lucky. Well, not pretty lucky. We've been extremely lucky. So there's nothing about, you know, as far as you say game plan, I mean, good gosh, you know, there's no game plan. You, you just go to the sales with the right – hopefully the right bloodstock agents uh, with, all, you know, I think one thing that I've learned um, from, from the years ago, dad and I used to go to the sales with coach Patino, Chris Sullivan and ourselves. And, and we'd spend, I don't know, close to a million bucks. You know, I'd buy three or four horses, either through yearling or two-year-old sales. And we did pretty damn well um, and, and buy horses privately. And then we hooked up with starlight and then it gave it diversification to where you buy, 10 horses. And then we do this deal with SF bloodstock. Now we got 34, let's be honest, guys. We got 34 three-year-olds and we're lucky to have one in the Derby and two on the undercard in Pat day mile. So it's not like, you know, this is just, uh, it's a pretty big game plan that we come up with. And luckily, you know, we, we did it well with, you know, that year we had authentic. A lot of people don't understand. We also had charlatan, which is a very nice horse. We had eight rings who was, the favorite in the juvenile uh, that same year, we had those three yearlings out of a crop of 19 that we bought that year. Um, so it's a numbers game. And, and my, that's the way we approach it. Now, whether or not our approach is right or wrong, I don't know, but we're doing pretty good. We're done. Okay. I guess put that way. Yeah. That's still, yeah, that's a long a, answer. It still to seems like a question. Hit right. <laughs> yeah. It's a long <laughs> answer to your question. I apologize, but, but there, you know, there's no science to it. We just try to align ourselves with the right people. And I think we, we've, we've done pretty well with our connections so far. 
Yeah, so I wanted to, you know, kind of follow up on that. You you mentioned the relationship with SF Bloodstock, but you know, kind of, you know, recently I was I was reading some articles about you know a broader relationship with SF as well as Madcat Stables with with yeah. you know, Bob as your trainer and you know kind of the 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 leading owners in each of those groups being known as the Avengers. Yeah, the one that you know that's just a super cool name. First of all, so right. yeah, <laughs> um, little uh, little street cred there, but you know, it, you know, as you talk about you know, instead, you know, just following up on it, it's a number game. I mean, obviously it allows you to kind of spread deeper and, and just get no more question. bites at the apple. Right. But um, is there any other way where, you know, it changes that dynamic um, in terms of, you know, how you go about managing that business? So do you raise your targets of, of the value of the, of the yearlings and, and two-year-olds that you look to purchase, you know, just because you've got a, a bigger pool or um, how else does it impact that? So the game plan there, Starlight owns 25% of, we'll call it that group, uh, whatever you want to call it, the Avengers. And uh, SF has majority. We have the second largest percentage at 25%. And then Maticat and, you know, let's call it et al. have very small percentages. Donato Lottie is our bloodstock agent along with Frankie Brothers. They pick out all the horses as a partner, partnership, let's call it that. Um, so that's the game plan. And of course, Bob has his influence, no question at the sales. Um, so that's our deal. But, uh, SF has majority and we're second largest. We being starlight is the second largest shareholder. Right. That's outstanding. So, um, I've got, I've got one last kind of follow-up question for you. So, so Jay sure. was asking about advantages with being there before I've got a less scientific question. So now okay. that you've won a couple of times, you, you have any superstitions that you bring into, uh, into the 2022 derby, <laughs> a favorite tie, a favorite breakfast, you know, uh, in, any anything that you you bring along on a personal level to uh, give you a little bit of self confidence. You know, it's funny. I, the justify year, I was, I, I don't want to say, I, I would almost put tell you cocky confident. I mean, I, so I didn't really. I, I went to the track, kind of thinking. And I've run horses. You have to understand, you know, you, I don't know if we were on the recording or not when you mentioned my past, but my two times, I had horses from 10 claimers to, you know, to whatever we're doing, talking about now. And I went to that day, probably as, as confident as I've ever been on a horse. And I really didn't think what Ty put on anything. And then uh, the authentic year, you know, I am a very superstitious person typically, but, but the authentic year, I didn't think, I thought we had a shot, but not, a real good shot. So I didn't even think about putting on the same tie or anything. So to answer your question, I, you would think if people that know me would think I do, but I, I really, I know I, I really don't have the same tie or underwear or socks or anything. <laughs> and, and, and normally I'm very superstitious, but no, the, back to those two derbies, I didn't have anything in common to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, if Messier wins this year, we can, uh, we can tie yeah. to some early speed podcast participation. There you go. How That's about exciting. that? There you go. Clint, I did want to say something to you. I, I go every year and I've done this for a long time. I go back and take pictures on the backside of horses, um, like the Wednesday of Derby. And the two horses over the last 20 years that stuck out to me were American Pharaoh and Justify. Yeah. And last year on the podcast, I said, Justify to me looked like watching a high school basketball game and seeing LeBron James on the floor. Like, yeah. I mean, when I saw that horse, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's a different deal right there. You know, he, he was he was freaky. 
I mean, I, I don't know how to say it. It just gives me chills as to talk with you about it. Uh, you know, he, you just saw him. You're like, bring it. You know, I felt like saying, bring it, boys. We got we got the best game in town. I don't care what you bring. And, you know, then we go into the Preakness. And, you know, I was kidding Mike uh, Smith. We saw him that night after the race in the uh, at the hotel. And I was like, he scared me to death because I knew he was such the best horse. But if you watch that race, and again, anybody watches it, you know, uh, Mike wanted to, quote, quote, leave something for the Belmont. And I thought, you about screwed this whole damn thing. (laughs) 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 Because going into New York, I was like, ain't nobody going to beat us going to New York. But but he he made it a little too close for comfort in the Preakness. But coming to Derby Day, to your point, on the backside, I mean, he just – he was a man amongst boys, and he was lightly raced, uh, as you all mentioned. Um, but he was a special, special horse. There's no doubt about it. Well, outstanding. Clint, we, we really appreciate your time. Uh, sure. Uh, best of luck to, to Messier and, and Newgrange and, and Doppelganger here in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, we'll be rooting for you. But, you know, really enjoyed having you on the on the show today and, you know, enjoyed the conversation. So thank you very much for giving your time. And, uh uh, we'll be rooting for you, man. So, thanks, thanks I really appreciate it, guys. Anytime. All right. Bye-bye. Everyone, we are back on ESP Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Scott. Uh, hope you enjoyed the interview. We had a great time doing that. Um, since we just talked to Clint Glasscock, we're going to jump right into the Derby. So, Scott, I got to... I've taken a deep dive into, into a lot of this stuff. So um, I don't know how to describe this, but I'm formulating what I'm, what, what I, what I think I like. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm not, might not change my mind, but I think what we're going to do here is I want you. Um, well, first for, we do know Morello's out of the Derby, which brings in um, Pioneer of Medina. Correct. That's correct. And we still don't know for sure if early voting is going to race. So, well, we might talk about that at the end. Yeah. But, Scott, you tell me what order we If you want me to start, you start. But I want, as of right now, your top four horses. I want you to tell me the horse that you want to find more about, kind of study a little more. Um, I want to know what horse might be a long shot that you – you like or might put in your bets and last as of right now the favorite you're going to throw out all right well how about we do this let's go to i'll go first but we'll go top four and more research you can do that and then we'll get into log shots and, and favorites to eliminate so kind of kind of go back and forth on that how does that sound okay i'm gonna all start right. with my fourth horse okay all right um I am going to start with what we just talked about. My fourth horse is Messier. All right. Um, um, I, and I, I will say this. I think I've done a bad job in the past of maybe um, ignoring some of the West Coast horses, which has really burned me um, on, on some of my handicapping. But I've got Messier fourth. I have Tis the Bomb number three. Um, I, I just love the way that um, – that it looked in Jeff Ruby stakes. Uh, if you look at its speed figures, um, it's just stepping up every race. So I, 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 I like that. 
I have Taba at two. And we can talk about this in a minute. It's just tough with with that horse only racing twice. It just it's just less information to go on. But the scene that was a freak show of a race, you know. I and my number one horse right now, as we sit, is Epicenter. All right, who's your more research horse? Who do you need to dig into a little more? Well, you know, I I don't have any Brad Cox horses in those top four, which I don't want to ignore those. <laughs> um, I actually have two. Zozos, I, I, I want to dig into and just look at more with Zozos. And I, I wrote down, I feel like for the, the top horses, White Abario is being ignored a little bit um, from some of the handicappers. So I'll be curious to see how that goes. Um, as we get into, you know, these, these last two weeks leading up to the Derby. All right. Well, that's, uh, uh, it'll be interesting once we get to our long shots and our favorites to eliminate. So, um, in my fourth slot, I've got white Abario. Um, you know, really liked how he was developing down there on the Florida circuit. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's improved a lot kind of through the three-year-old season, um, and as, as of right now, I've, you know, I, I thought he was kind of getting ignored too. And I, I've got him in the, the bottom of my, my list at the moment. I've got Messier as number three, um, you know, to your point, And, you know, like we, like we talked about with Clint, you know, I, you know, I think that Santa Anita Derby, he, I think he really did a lot of the heavy lifting. You know I mean? He was, he was the horse that had to press the pace against forbidden kingdom or else that horse was going to walk away with it. Um, you know, and, and even when Taba came up on him, he, you know, he didn't collapse. He, he still kept going forward. And that was off the two-month layoff. Uh, I, I really expect improvement from him in the next out. Um, and, and I think he, moved, he moves forward off of that race. Uh, number two, a horse you didn't mention is, is Mo Donegal, uh, number two on my list. You know, he, he's run, you know, the fastest final eighth of a mile in each of his prep race of all the prep races. Um, so you know, he's a horse that certainly wants the distance of a mile and a quarter. You know, I'm a, I'm a little nervous, um, about horses coming, coming from New York. They've, they, they certainly have not performed well in the Derby over the past decade or so. Um, but, but Mo Donegal's really a horse that, that seems to like the distance and he's, and he's running his best late in the race. Um, and, and I've got epicenter, uh, number one right now as well. I mean, he's, uh, um, you know, he, he's faced some tough competition down there in Louisiana. Um, and, you know, in, in the last race in the Louisiana Derby, I really like how he rated off the leaders, you know, so it shows that he didn't, he didn't need the lead. He, he could sit there in the three or the four hole in case he doesn't necessarily, um, you know, j- jump out to the lead right out. So, so I think it showed a new dimension for him. Um, and he really kicked clear. My, my one concern with Epicenter is maybe, you know, has he peaked already? Like what was was the Louisiana Derby kind of his his top form, um, so we'll you know we'll we'll look at that a bit more and, and the horse you know I say to do more research on, but you know like we like we've talked about and we talked about with Clint you know the horse I've got on the list is Taba, I just don't know what to make of the horse and and I'm not sure how much more research I can do on it because it's not like he's had a bunch of races, but uh, I think instead of more research I think it's uh, it falls into the camp of I need to make up my mind on. On, on what I think of that horse, um, you know, is he, he's had outstanding speed figures. I mean, he, he's just, I mean, they've, they've been phenomenal. So it's, you know, is he a super horse or, 
you know, is, is he, you know, kind of a product of running on short fields, fast tracks, so on and so forth. So, you know, that those are the questions in my mind over table. Certainly not, certainly not throwing him out. Um, but uh, I need to, I need to spend a little more time thinking on that one. I think. You know, it goes back to what I said. I, I it makes it tougher. And one of the things when we talk to Clint, what we mentioned is, you know, the in recent history, it these horses are racing less rolling into the derby which gives you less to look at which leaves a lot up to, to happen um i mean look there's a scenario where that horse freaks out you know you know and you're running to the, the to to turn in your ticket because the horse freaks out or is um washed out something like that so i it's going to be a lot of watching, and now I don't know if you, you saw this. They're going to have the uh, workouts where you can watch them live. The workouts as opposed to going. I'm going to still try and get back there this week, but um, you know, and so we, we didn't really talk this out, so I didn't know what you were going to say. So interesting. So uh, I left out Moldonagal. You left Tabe out, but put it as the one you. So interesting. So and who knows? So so who's we'll we'll mix up the order. I'm really curious who's your favorite to eliminate. I think we might have the same one. Yeah, and look, I actually bet on this horse in its last race that it won, um, and I really liked it in that race, it, which is Cyberknife. Um, I just don't think that it's seen the horses that these other horses have raced against, especially Epicenter. Um, I, I just – but, you know, look, throw caution to the wind. Uh, a Brad Cox horse, I, I don't know how smart of an idea that is, but that's right now who I'm throwing out. Yeah, the – I don't know. It's a complete toss, but right now on my, on my lemonade list is Zandon. Um, he, he, he looked, you know, he looked outstanding in the bluegrass. He's, he's really improved. Um, but what, what keeps eating at me is he's broke really slowly in the last two preps. And, you know, you can, you can get away with that in a 10 horse field, you know, maybe an 11 horse field, but you know, if, if he breaks that poorly in the Derby, which he's done in his last two races, he's really going to be up against it. Um, you know, I, I don't con, considering how the qualification process for the Derby uh, has changed. You know, in, unless it's like a super sloppy track, and you know, then you know, all craziness ensues. But you know, I mean, you're 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 not going to see, in my opinion, you know, another mind that bird type of run in the Derby with the way the qualifications run where somebody is, you know, 20 to 25 links back and makes a huge run to, to catch the leaders anymore. It's a, the race just isn't run that way any longer. Um, and if Zandon breaks that poorly, I think that's the position he's going to be in. Um, yeah. Look, I, I with Zandon, I, I know a lot has been made of, he made that move on the turn and how big of a deal that was that he made his move on the turn as opposed to, you know, in the stretch, I, f- I forgot how many places he gobbled up coming around this, the, the turn at Keeneland. But like, I, I, I tend to agree with you a little. Of I, I don't know that you can do that at the Derby and get that far behind and make a move like that. I just I, – I don't know. Yeah, and a lot of this comes down to post position, and, and that's the same with Tabor, right? Is it's, you know, d- depending on the post position draw, if, you know, if, if those horses get, you know, placed way on the inside or way on the outside – um, it, it's going to create, it's going to create additional challenges that they'll have to overcome. So, you know, that, that'll be some of the information that, you know, that, that we're privy to. And we, we learned before our, uh, before our actual Oaks and Derby show, but, uh, at, 
you know, as it sits right now, that that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. So, so how about your long shot? Who are you looking at? Well, I thought about this a lot. I, I have Tawny Port. Um, oh, I, nice. I, so I, you know, came in um, second to Tis the Bomb um, in the Jeff Ruby Stakes. Um, you know, qualifies in the Lexington. Um, but I, you know, look, I there there was a recent recent history where we had horses coming out of Lexington that would finish in the three or four hole. So I, I don't know that that horse can win, but I, I do think it's a horse that I will put in the bottom of a lot of my exotics. Yeah, the the one I like is Simplification. And, you know, I I, th- I think he he kind of had it. He was up against it from a pace scenario perspective um, in the Florida Derby. Um, you know, he was he was. You know, Similar to Messier, he was up there pressing the pace, um, you know, forced to do a lot of that, a lot of that early work, um, you know, it, but he, you know, he's been running well all spring, um, you know, and, you know, I think he's, I think he's a horse that's maybe getting a bit overlooked based on how he finished in, in the Florida Derby. Uh, so I, I think he'll be a big, I think he'll be a big price, 35, you know, to one or more. And I think he's a much better horse than that. Uh, you know, so that's a horse that I look to to outrun his odds at this point. I do want to ask you something. How many horses in your mind at the moment do you think can actually win the Derby? Uh, three or four, okay. maybe. I was going to yeah. say four or five, and that might be yeah. pushing it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's a ton. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, like we talked about last year. You know, I, I think you need to be forwardly placed. Um, you know, so that's why I have horses like, you know, Epicenter and, and Messier up there. Um, you know, Modonigal's a horse that, you know, com- comes from off the pace, but, you know, I, I, I think he can, he can rate a bit and be a bit more mid pack. Um, but, you know, I, I think the winner's going to come from, you know, the, the first four to five horses at the lead around the first turn. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about the setup of the race. Uh, we spent some time uh, last year in the Derby episode talking about that. You know, part of the reason I left Zandon and Mo Donegal out is that, you know, they're, they're going to be coming off the pace. Um, you know, last, I, I think last year's Derby, you and I were, you know, neither of us had that horse. Um, and, you know, once we saw the fractions and all that of the race, I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I think epicenters one like there's several of these horses that don't have to have the lead, but as I look at this, like is one I'm gonna say, man, let's just go, you know, and that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Well, and you know, we we had a similar conversation in in our in our first podcast episode um, when we were previewing the Derby last year. Um, we were talking about Cattle River and would he run or would he not, um, and how. You know, if, if he ran in the Derby, that that it was it was just a huge impact to how the pace of, of that race would be run. Um, Cattle River didn't run. Medina Spirit, you know, grabbed kind of a soft early lead and and took him gate to wire. I've got some of those questions around early voting. I, I think that's a I think that's a big deal. I think if early voting runs or not can really shape how how this race is is ultimately run. He's he's clearly a horse that wants to be up front. He'll, he'll work hard for the lead. Um, so, you know, if, if early voting, if, if the connections there choose to, to wait for the preakness on that horse, it's a, you know, it's a, a big deal in my opinion on, on how the race shapes up. 
So the the top four horses that we named, right? Epicenter, Taba, Messier. It, it, is there a scenario for one of those horses that the, the jockey and the trainer say, "Hey, we're going, man. Just screw it. Let's see what happens." You know, I th- I think so. It you know, if, if early voting is not in the race, then then maybe they make the decision to to go out front and say, "Hey, let's let's use a little bit of horse, get out front, and then we can slow it down from the front." Right. If, if we can get up front, we can control the pace of that um, and, and we can slow it down and, and sir, reserve some energy for our horse and, until the stretch and kind of set the fractions we want to set. Um, but, you know, I mean, there, there's other horses that might grab the lead. Zozos is one. Right. Zozos is one that, that may go up there and, and, and be that early rabbit. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. That's that's what the next 10, 10 days or so will will help us understand as, as we finish our preparations for, for the Derby. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. So anything else you want to add here about the yeah. Derby? So I've got a question for you. So, Uh-oh. yep. So, well, you know, this is, you know, this is episode one, season two. So I, I went back and I, I re-listened to our very first podcast. So, you know, first of all, we made it to season two. <laughs> which is so somebody might have put us on on their long shot list for making it to season two but we made it brother uh so uh but you know, we talked a lot last year about mattress mac uh so last year in the derby for for those that aren't aware he's a you know a furniture mogul down in down in texas he you know he often runs these runs these huge furniture promotions and and basically um you know, hedges hedges his bets on the promotion by placing huge sports wagers on on favorites in in whatever sporting event it may be, right? The Super Bowl, but he's 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 known to do it on the Derby. So last year, Mattress Mac bet two point four million dollars on essential quality and moved his odds from four to one to two point nine to one. So it took a you know it took a little bit more than a full point off of his final odds. Um, both of us were, you know, we were big fans of essential quality last year. Essential quality was, I don't want to say, you know, wasn't clearly was an odds on favorite at four to one, but he was pretty commonly believed to, to be the favorite in the race, which I don't think really exists as much this year. So my question to you, Jay, is if mattress Mac places a huge bet on epicenter, Who's a little bit more of a tepid favorite? Does that does that impact your wagering decisions? Do you do you get off of Epicenter if Mattress Mac moves his line down by a point or a point and a half? Takes him from five to one down to three and a half to one, seven to two. Man, this is a great question. This, oh, you know, we like it. We like and it. And you know, it's funny. I forgot about the Mattress Mac angle from last year. And. You know, look, I, if you remember our, the podcast, the interview we did with Ed DeRosa, one of the things, and I, I think like I, I, how he approaches the race is how I approach them. I'm, he's, I think he's much better handicapper than I am. I, I preface that. How he approaches the race is, is how I aspire to approach them. Let's put it that way. But, what, but I'm saying he said on the podcast, he looks at the race and there's a percent chance that that horse can win. And, you know, out of 100, there's a chance that horse can win. Now, you know, last year's soup and sandwich, every other horse would have had to fall down, but there was a chance. (laughs) 
And I think you have to use that when you bet, right? I mean, and I would say if the odds come down that much, I might not put as much money on Epicenter. Yeah, I think just what I see on paper, I'm going to have to put something on Epicenter, but it would definitely affect – I think it's like a regular day at, at the track, Scott. Sure. I think it's a day when you think you have the horse – and you're like, oh, hell, everybody else has the horse, too. And then you you lay off a little or you try and beat it. Um, I, You know, look, man, I can't say that I'm real excited to try to beat Epicenter from what I see right now. <laughs> but it would definitely affect it. What, what What's your take on that? Yeah. I think it's a much more interesting question when it's a when it's more of a tepid favorite. Right. When I, I mean, I, I think we would both agree that we are less confident in epicenter than we were in essential quality last year. Now essential quality and I finished in fourth didn't run, didn't win the race, but, but heading into it, I, I think we both felt we both had strong convictions that essential quality was, was the best horse in the race last year. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not sure I feel as strongly about epicenter. So, you know, a point to a point and a half odds move on epicenter probably weighs impacts my decision a little more than it would have on a set than it would on essential quality last year, but uh, I don't know. We, we, we will know next week or in two weeks, I suppose. Interesting. So I will keep an eye on mattress Mac throughout the week. That's just something else I got to keep an eye on. <laughs> Add it to your list. Right. So let's move on to the Oaks. Yep. Um, and I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but I had not been as deep into the Oaks horses yet. Um, you and I are in a, um, uh, a derby fantasy league shout out mark davis um and that really helps me every year um to keep up with the derby horses um but i'll tell you what man and it, you know everybody's saying this scott this i'm very excited to watch the oaks this year because there's i mean there's some great horses in this race and there's a lot to talk about i think compared to usual oaks what's your take here oh there's a ton the the you know, the Oaks may be the better race between the two races. Um, and that's not always the case with the smaller field, but you know, you, know, you asked the question of how many horses have a chance to win the Derby. I, th- I think there's more horses that have a chance to win the Oaks than there are the Derby. Um, there there's, you know, four to five to six, um, horses with legitimate shots at, at winning this race. And, and they're all, they're all outstanding fillies. It's, it's going to be a great race. So I'm going to let you go first this time. And I, I think to your point, there are definite, couple horses not in my top four that i cringed that they're not in my top four like i I, I, seriously i thought it was tough so right now who are your top four horses noakes all right so going bottom to top number four secret oath um so you know ran against the boys in the arkansas derby um you know ran a ran a respectable race um you know certainly i I think it it helps her you know prep for prep for the Oaks. Um, but, but I've got, I've got secret oath at the, at the bottom of my top four right now. Um, next I have nest who ran an absolutely astonishing race in the Ashland was, was just overpowering. You talk about a move around the turn. I mean, that, that horse, you know, she laid waste to, to everybody else in that race. Um, one with huge daylight. Um, but, you know, to that point, I mean, it, it was it was an amazing move, and and I've got her third. Um, number two right now for me is Kathleen O, out of out of the Gulfstream Oaks. 
you know, a, a Philly that's, that's really run super impressive races. The, the last two preps down there in Florida. Um, yeah, I think she was, she was one to two in the Gulfstream Oaks, but, but looked as impressive as the one to two favorite could. So number one on my list, this is the reason for my beastie boy song. She's crafty is echo Zulu. So, uh, you know, you, you talk about horses that, that seem to be getting overlooked, get overlooked. Echo Zulu is the juvenile Phillies champion from last year. Um, she's one of the few in this race that, that wants the lead and, and really wants to be up front controlling that pace. Um, you know, as I look at it right now, I, I think she's good. She's got a good chance to be a little crafty and, and get up there at front and, and hang on gate to wire. So that's, that's kind of how I'm seeing it right now. Uh, the horse I want to look a little more at is Goddess of Fire. Uh, finished second in the Gulfstream Oaks to Kathleen O. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a great stretch run between those two. Um, I, I, I have huge respect for, for Kathleen O and, and think she's one of the top three O'Phillies in the nation for sure. Uh, Goddess of Fire gave her a pretty good battle, so I'm, I'm going to take another look at her over the next uh, week plus. Interesting. Interesting. I actually find this interesting since we haven't talked about this. So, yeah, so this will be – uh, I'll be curious what you say as I do mine. So number four, I have nostalgic. And to me, on paper, nostalgic right now is a bargain. Um, the speed figures of nostalgic are very much with what, uh, what a lot of the favorites are going to be. And I don't think it's going to be one of the favorites. So from a value perspective, I, I really like that. My, my guy, Bill Mott, is the trainer. I'm, I'm excited about that. But I have nostalgic at four. Number three, I have Kathleen O. Um, you know, you, you talk about being, um, you know, we talk about being too far out. I don't know that this horse can be far enough out and not scare you um, as it because it flies. So I have Kathleen O at, at um, three. I, everything you said about Nest, I agree with. I have Nest at two. And Scott, I'm totally shocked. That we have Echo Zulu together. Oh, no. I know, I know. But well, you know, it, it worked in the Oaks last year. We both loved Malathot last year, and uh, so so maybe that's a good sign as opposed to a bad sign. I'll tell the listeners something funny. When I chose Echo Zulu, there was part of because we talked about this list we were going to put together, and I thought that's going to be the one that Scott puts as his favorite that he throws out is what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but I agree with everything you said about Echo Zulu. And we didn't talk about this. Um, the, the, the juvenile Phillies was a small field at the Breeders' Cup. I think it was seven horses. Six, I think, yeah. Six, yeah. And, th- and three of them are in the Derby, right? Oaks. I think that they're in the Oaks. Oaks. Sorry. I'm going to talk about it. But is this correct that not one horse from the Breeders' Cup Juvenile is going to be in the Derby? There's not one horse from the Breeders' Cup Juvenile that's even close to qualifying for the Derby. Which, when's the last I, time that's happened? I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, I, I was looking at it, you know, because you and I kind of had this conversation over the last couple of weeks. I, and I forget the horse's name, quite honestly, but I think the top-ranked horse from the Breeders' Cup Juvenile in the Derby point standing is like 35th place. It's, it's astonishing. Now, you know, Corniche hasn't run all year and, you know, is the winner. And, you know, you know, certainly injuries play a part of that. Um, but, you know, 
I know we're kind of flipping back and forth between Derby and Oaks, but but a lot of those horses from from the juvenile, you know, they they were a part of the road to the Derby, and they they just kind of flamed out. They just they just didn't have it. Um, that that hasn't been the case with the Phillies, and you know, Echo Zulu, she she dominated that small field last year, right? It was a super impressive race in the, in the juvenile Phillies. Um, and, and her run in the fairground Oaks, you know, wasn't crazy impressive, but it was her first race. It was her first race since the Breeders' Cup. So, you know, that was what a three month, three plus month layoff, um, clearly using it as a prep for the Oaks. And, um, you know, I, I, I think she'll do nothing but move forward off of that. I, I think it gives her great foundation to work from. Well, I like it. I, so I have the, uh, Ass, we have the Asmussen uh, Oak yeah. Derby double, right? We do, we do right? at this point, for sure. So, so what horse um, do you want to look more? Uh, oh, you already said that. Yeah, Goddess of Fire is my horse to look more for. So mine, on. it was one of yours um, in the top four was Secret Oath. Yeah. Um, you know, I it, it just I almost wish in a way Secret Oath would have got to race against the ladies and at the you know its last race just to see. Um, and you know we may look back in third in in, the, in that race. Is it impressive? I I don't, I don't know. I I mean I know they were trying to gear that horse to the Derby, but I mean can Secret Oath win? I I think so for sure. For sure so, she's got a shot. So I had Secret Oath there. So so then we had the long shot that that you uh, feel best about right now. Who do you have there, Scott? Uh, I've got Hidden Connection. Um, you know, com- coming out of the fairground Oaks was the one that really battled Echo Zulu kind of, you know, came up on her and gave her a real battle down there at the end. Um, you know, it's a horse that's, that, that's kind of been on the improve through the spring. Um, you know, I, I, I think she'll, she'll be a, with, with all of the horses that have, uh, you know, such strong c- credentials in the race, I think in connection will be 18, 19, 20 to one or more. Um, and, and certainly has the talent to, to compete with any of these horses on a given day. So, I had Yugiri is the one. Um, oh no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This I'm giving you my long shot, correct? Your long shot. Who's your long Sh- shot? Shahama. Shahama. Right. And Shahama's coming over um, from Dubai, undefeated. Has not lost a race, but I, I won't. We'll see what I think, but that's that's what I have right now. All right. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll add that horse to my uh, to do more research on list. So then, I'll, since I let the cat out of the bag, I'll do um, the the favorite <laughs> possible one of the favorite horses I'm gonna throw out is Ugiri. Do you know where Ugiri gets its name? Um, I do not. Actually, I'll give you a hint. Our, our sons are going to like this horse because of this. It's named after a Japanese anime character. Oh, nice. Perfect. It's perfect. Um, I just can't, you know, I look at that horse and um, in points wise, I think, am I right? It's like third or fourth. Sure. Uh, yeah. With, with the, the, uh, in the Oaks rankings. But three races ago, Secret Oath blew that horse off, off the track. Right. I mean, it's Secret Oath, I think, beat that horse by nine and a half lengths. I just, I, I can't, with all the other choices I have, that's the one because of that that I'll throw out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm similar. The, the one I'm throwing out is Desert Dawn, you know, the winner of the, the winner of the Santa Anita Oaks. You know, she, she ran a great race in that. She's one of the, the three to come, come back from the juvenile Phillies. 
Um, but you know, given that it was a small field and, you know, she, she caught a, she caught a heavy favorite in that, that, you know, that was, that was trying to take a gate to wire, but the, the fractions weren't terribly fast. I think the favorite just kind of failed in that, um, which, you know, re- reduces the, you know, kind of level of confidence and impressiveness I have in, in Desert Dawn's run there and in, in the San Anita Oak. So, um, you know, give, you know, given all the options here, I, I, I think she's, she's one given the price that I'll, I'll certainly walk away from. Well, before we get off here, is there any, you, you want to give the listeners an idea of what, what preparation you're going to have? I have a feeling you're going to be prepping for the next <laughs> 10, 10, 10, 12 days. What, it, what how are you going to prep? Well, what I find out, I'm going to watch replays a lot, you know, so watching replays of the races for, you know, they're all available. You know, if you, if you just Google road to the Kentucky Derby or road to the Kentucky Oaks, um, all, all the prep races are are there in in video to, to rewatch. Um, so, so I'll do that. Um, and, you know, certainly be, be pouring over the, the forms and the past performances and, and a lot more detail for sure. Do you ever think at times we should, uh, instead of betting a full card, like on a regular day at Churchill or Keeneland, just picking two races and watching videos of those races? Because <laughs> I will say that the, the, the only time I really watch a lot of videos is Derby Oaks and I would say Breeders' Cup. Breeders' a little, Cup. A little bit. But, it, you sure. know, there's too many races. There's too many horses to watch. Right. But, uh, I mean, it, it, it definitely it, it adds something to it for sure. Yeah. No, it, it does. It's well, it, you know, especially with Derby and Oaks where it's some of the same horses kind of competing against each other and over and over again. So, so you look at how those horses compete against competed against each other in January and February versus final preps in late March and, and early April. Um, and, and you can see which horses are, you know, at, at least moving forward kind of through that stretch and, and those that are maybe staying the same or, or taking a, a bit of a step back. So it's, uh, you know, I, I find it really useful, right? So picture's worth a thousand words, so to speak. Um, video's probably worth more than that, right? So it's, uh, it's I find it really helpful. Well, everybody, I think, Scott, unless you have some other stuff here, I'll give you my tagline if you remember this. Um, have fun. No, I'm kidding. That's not it. I was going to say, do we change it for season two? Go with your gut, cash and tickets, be responsible. That's what we always want you to do. But I'm, I am pumped. I think you said this, and we want to thank Clint Glasscock again. Great interview. Had a a great time doing that. Scott, thanks for setting that up. Um, But I'm excited. This is like, it's like Christmas in Louisville this week, man. Yeah. Favorite holiday of the year. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, We'll, we'll talk again in a week or so and, and happy derby. ESP, ESP signing out.